Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. I think this might actually be episode number 20. 20 whole straight weeks of doing this shit. Every single week. you One week you're going to remember what number the podcast is. I know. I know. By the way, what I'm most impressed with is I've not mucked up an introduction for 20 full fucking weeks. Genuinely. I know. <laughs> but I need to find a new way to introduce it as well. I feel like I just keep on saying the same thing over and over. But that's not the most pressing issue right now. Most pressing issue is actually just giving the people what they want. So, Jen, what are we going to talk about today? Um, so, I was going to say the most pressing issue is actually the fact that my microphone is still broke and I've not got round to ordering a new one. So, if the sound quality is absolute pish, um, I apologise in advance. I will, I-, I will get a mic one day. Do you know, I actually think that goes to show how invested we are in doing this podcast because we have been up the fucking walls and we have still found time to record this fucking podcast. <laughs> we actually, full transparency, like today is Monday and I only realised that we didn't record the podcast last week about, what, two hours ago? Yeah, <laughs> I did know, but I just knew that Jen was away in London Friday, Saturday, I was moving and just contemplating what was going on in the entirety of my life for the past, yeah. like, four weeks. <laughs> You've been having an existential crisis for at least a fortnight. No, I know, I know. So I did have it in my mind, and I was thinking to myself, I'll just wait until Jen brings it up, because I don't want to fucking push more on her. So I feel like we're both, like, together at this, I wouldn't say breaking point, but it's that way we are one small simple thing or demand from the other one could just push the the, the other one over the edge. Yeah, yeah, we're both like desperately trying not to fucking psychologically break one another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, at least we can laugh, eh? Exactly, exactly. Without that, you're fucked. So, tell us what we're chatting about today. So, I thought it would be really good for us to touch on um, the gift of fear, right? Because I think that the perception of fear quite a lot of the time is a negative one. I think you can get scared of being scared as well. Um, And I think fear is such a powerful emotion. It's all-consuming. Fear is really physical too. Like, it's not just psychological. Fear is a really physical sensation in the body. It's so strongly linked to, um, like, your amygdala response, your fight, flight, or freeze. Like, there's so much overdrive that can happen in the brain as a result of feeling fear um, that... It's also something that if you manipulate it, um, can be used as such a powerful force. And there's actually a book called um, The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. It's a brilliant book. Um, that actually got recommended to me by uh, a therapist when I was going through, an old therapist when I was going through um, trauma recovery, about how your instinct, your fear instinct, like can save your life. And it gives like these really, really like interesting examples of like, women who have had really, really close brushes with danger um, and have managed to avoid it by listening to the instinct that that fear is sort of like driving in them. So it's such a powerful tool, such a powerful mechanism that I think we have both worked really hard on manipulating to use to our advantage. And for me, like manipulating fear is your golden ticket to success see when people ask me like what is the thing like how can you just do that thing and I'm like because I'm not scared of the fear anymore like Mm -hmm. when you can create so much safety and certainty in your life when you're feeling that fear right and doing it anyway like you can use that fear as such a powerful tool Um, and I think that's something that we've both kind of deepened over the years is manipulating that to actually be 
this thing because I think sometimes people think that you need to stop being scared of the thing before you can do the thing. And actually, the more you remain scared of it, the more driven you are to work with that energy and do something with it. If the fear goes away, it's complacency starts to set in and that's a dangerous place to be. No, I, I honestly could not agree more. And I think with that fear and with that, with, with that, like when you're scared about things, it's almost like, I like to call it catastrophism, almost like you catastrophize everything. And what you're actually doing in that situation there is you're realistically just looking into the future at a situation, at an event that hasn't even really happened yet. And you're just continuously feeding it this energy until it just blows out of proportion, until it really engulfs you and just like sidelines you from actually doing anything. And I think it can also be kind of commonly linked to, to overwhelm. I think that's how a lot of people kind of describe it these days, that they've got so much on, they don't think they can do it all. They're scared that they're going to mess up and get one of the things they should be doing really, really wrong. And the consequences that are going to come with that so much so that, as you said, it's like fight, flight or freeze. So they might actually go, you know what, fuck this, need a day off or fuck this. I'm not going to answer my phone, my work emails. Fuck this, I'm going to go somewhere else on my way home from work and pretend I get stuck in traffic because I don't want my wife and my kids to know that I needed to go and sit somewhere for a couple of hours myself and contemplate my entire life. You know, and that freeze thing as well, it's like, that's what stops people from really harnessing so much powerful energy to like go after their goals. And don't get me wrong, like you can freeze in so many situations and the response of fear, as you said, is like incredible. You can freeze before walking into a situation that could actually bring the harm and you can bring yourself away from it and do something completely different and your life could go in a completely different way. Like I like to think about the butterfly effect sometimes and that sense of like how many times could we have died and alternate universes if we'd made different choices. And I know that that seems really fucking fried, right? But that instinct goes very unnoticed, I think, for a lot of people. Like, I know that I've been in some difficult situations throughout my life, but I also know that I've avoided some very difficult situations throughout life. And you literally have no background story to understand where those could have led to because it never happened because you listened to your instinct. And then also the... The flight, uh, the, not the flight, the fight, the fight one is that people just, I think this is a really important lesson for a lot of people. Fear a lot of the time manifests not only through freezing or running, but more so it manifests in a lot of very, very different emotions, i.e., anger. You could get really upset. Like it's different for everyone. I know from my perspective, the way that I used to channel fear was through aggression. Like very aggressive, uh, aggressive, but also know that I've now channeled that aggression. So it's like channeled aggression into things rather than snapping, fighting back, feeling like I had to defend myself, to defend my name, to defend my reputation, all of that sort of stuff. And instead, I channel that fear of what insecurities could have been getting exploited into putting back into myself to define who I am and knowing that that's 100% who I am because of the the actions that I take. Yeah, 100%. You always become who you're going to be in your darkest moments. And I think that a lot of the time, it's the perception of it, right? So like, this is what I'm doing my training on um, for the guys at, at the end of the month. It's the perspective through which you are viewing the thing that yeah. is generating that fear, right? So like, 
catastrophizing, for example, is a big thinking distortion, right? That thinking distortion comes from believing that the catastrophe could be true, right? So when you really work with walking your through, because I'm a catastrophizer, right? When you really work yourself through a step by step of this, so if the catastrophe does come true, what would I do next, yeah. right? If this does actually turn out to be that situation. So this is what I did when um, I was leaving my job to run the business full time because I was so stuck in the perception of I'm going from having a job for life that I can never, ever be sacked from, right? To I have to generate all of my own income to pay the bills and put food on the table, right? I had to get really comfortable with the catastrophes. So I had like a plan A, B, C, D, E, right? And once I realised that actually if it all went to shit and I made no money and I was skint, I would just get another job, right? See the moment at which I was able to give myself an outcome to that catastrophe, stop panicking about it. And even still, even now, if ever I'm like, oh, this has been a bit of a quieter month or I've lost a couple of clients or this hasn't gone as well as I expected it to go, it, although I would probably never do it now, I just know that it's always there. It's almost like that wee bit of cushion that sits like underneath the fear. That's like if you fall, there's a trampoline at the bottom instead of a pile of bricks. Yeah. And I think just able to walk yourself through the catastrophe changes your relationship with fear so much because now I see it as like a driver. So if they ask well, where to fall out of this, what is the first thing that I would go and do? Almost to the point where it kind of excites me that I'm like, that'd be great if that happened, <laughs> right? Because because it's almost like who is the person that I would become at the other side of that? But I think you need to demonstrate to yourself your ability to respond well to fear. If you historically have not responded well to fear, you've really stayed stuck in that threat response and it's had a negative impact. That then sets your standard for how you respond to fear. But I think like, so much of it is psychological that that people underestimate it as a real it's a real like like relationship between the psychological and the physical right because like if you're you're feeling like your um threat and reward response system is is so like it's engineered in the same way as like physical and social threat are processed in the same way in the brain right so if you're being chased by a fucking tiger or you're being like bitched about in your work by a group of people and you overhear it and you feel that sense of rejection, your brain processes that situation in, in the same way. So that's why fear and anxiety become such a physical thing because your body's like, the threat response is kicked off, let's kick fuck out them, let's run like fucker, let's stand here and cry, right? So that there's so many situations in our life that we go into that automatic threat response, we don't understand why it's happening and we don't then have the tools to be able to like, calm yourself from it and move through it and understand, reassure there's no threat here. And I can remember Jean telling me when I was really, really like riddled with anxiety, I was having like multiple panic attacks a day, but I still had to get through life. Like I had a job, a full-time job, I had a business to run, like I had shit to do, so I had to just get through it. And she told me that it's it's almost like, you know, when you're, um, you're making toast and your smoke alarm goes off and you're like, why the fuck's the smoke alarm going off? I'm only making toast, right? The same thing happens in your brain where it, it, it exactly it says major, major danger, but it's actually just a really simple situation. So it becomes this war in your head of why do I feel so extremely, why is my smoke alarm going off when it's only, I've only burnt the toast. So I think the more you can start to manipulate this to your advantage, the more you start to actually 
like enjoy fear and I know that sounds like it probably makes us sound like fucking sadists which we are um but I actually really enjoy now when I'm scared of something because I'm like right if I'm scared of it that tells me I'm, I'm really invested in it and it tells me that there's something that I need to do to make this possible that I'm not doing right now so that's where I need to focus like the skill that's where I need to focus the attention on growing that part of myself yeah do you think a lot of people, because I definitely feel that this is the case, a lot of people try and deny that it's fear instead mm. of accepting that it's fear. And obviously the first step is going to be accepting that it's fear in the first place. Mm. But I think so many people try and come up with different excuses, different reasons as to why they don't want to do the thing, even mm. though they say they want the thing or want to do the thing and really try and justify it so that they don't get challenged and that that fear isn't actually exploited further. So it's almost like there's insecurities there. They don't want that that threat response to be threatened. And yeah. then as a result of that, they then can't actually be open and honest about the thing that's actually going to help them overcome it in the first place. A hundred percent, because it's like if I avoid the fear, then I don't need to feel the fear. Yeah. And it's actually like that to be in the post regardless, you're still feeling it. You're just avoiding responding to it. Like yeah. it's still there. You're just ignoring it. Yeah. And what would you say to someone who is in that situation, who can't just take that first step and just admit that they're fucking scared? So you, when I was having um, a mental breakdown, okay, what, six weeks ago maybe now, <laughs> um, you asked me a really, really good question where you were like, what is the thing that you're really scared of that you don't want to say out loud? And I actually hadn't considered that there was anything, right, until I was asked that question. So, like, to me, it, I wasn't consciously aware at that point of the thing that I was really scared of. I could tell you all of the feelings that I was feeling about the things that were happening above the surface. But until you asked me that question in the moment that I was feeling the emotion, and then it just came out of my mouth like that, I didn't know it was in my head. Mm. And I think... Um, I think there's something about you having a willingness to be able to go there yourself and really go into the depths of not who you think you are, but who you actually are deep down and creating a safety with yourself that it's okay for you to go there. I think a lot of people are scared to go deep down into themselves because they worry about where they'll go or where it will take them or if they'll come out in a worse place. I think a lot of people avoid any sort of like like personal development and stuff like that for this very reason or increasing their self-awareness, understanding emotions better. It's the fear of what, what will happen if I open Pandora's box, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that until you are willing to go there and get familiar with what's there, you're always going to be avoiding these kinds of things. Which is because I now feel relatively used to going there when I'm asked a question like that. It, it comes because it's in there somewhere I'm just trying to find it Yeah. and I think the strange thing about fear is that it will manifest in so many different ways until you get to the very root of that thing right so like it will be different for different people but if you notice in yourself changes in your sleeping habits changes in your eating habits like really really simple shit changes in the way that you're interacting with people the way that you're speaking to people your tolerance level for things right all of these really simple things that you're like, where is this coming from? There's something sitting underneath that, right? What is the thing? Where does your mind wander off to when you're left alone with your own thoughts, right? Where are you drifting away to? 
when you wake up in the morning, what's coming into your head? When you're lying in your bed at night, what's the last things that you're thinking of? That's your mind, that is your, your subconscious mind guiding you down to the thing that's the driving factor, right? But we get 80,000 roughly thoughts a day, so it's really easy to disregard the vast majority of those and just distract yourself with the things that you think matter. Yeah. But when your mind is drifting, and when you are noticing these small changes, I think quite a lot of the time that the emotion is fear and there is something right at the root of that that you might be scared to admit to yourself or scared to say out loud. And I think when you asked me that question, I was like, shit. And, and the beauty of that was I, I changed the day that you asked me that, I changed what I was doing the next day. Yeah. And now I've used the fear because I know that I, there was fear, there was something that I was scared of. I have worked on how, not how do I overcome the fear. I have worked on how do I use this fear, right? Yeah. So the fear is still the motivating thing. Over time, that will go because it won't become as scary. But the fear is still the motivating factor for me because I'm not trying to overcome it. I'm using it as like an energy source. Yeah, I feel the fear and fucking do it anyway. 100%. You know, it's so it's so funny. I think people do really need to just spend a little bit more time getting to know themselves. And I don't know if my awareness was easier to build because when I was younger, I couldn't really communicate because I had a speech impediment. You know, so I did spend a lot of time on my own, but I can't recall doing that much thinking. And I work in, obviously, um, authority network, helping coaches ideally be better coaches. Like, that is my main goal. That is my main role in there. And I was delivering a talk at their live event, a virtual live event last week. And I get asked this question so much, like when it comes to client care, client service, client retention, all of that sort of stuff. And the way that we always see retention, you and I, is just how can we continuously keep giving our clients exactly what they need, deliver an incredible service and keep on making the service even better so that they can put their trust in us to continuously take them further than they've been with us so far. Like and just keep demanding more from them and keep demanding more from ourselves. And I think it's always been quite hard to contextualize how I do things. Because remember when I was giving a talk about this at an event previously as well, I actually said to you, how do I do this? <laughs> <laughs> what is it that I actually do? Can I, you explain it to me? I, I, I honestly didn't have a fucking clue. I didn't know how to put it into words. I didn't know how to describe it. I was like, I just do it instinctively. But I think a large portion of that as well is I remember after, when was it? It was after I had come out of a relationship back in 2014, 2013, 2014 maybe. And I'd been going off the rails a wee bit, drinking, partying, taking drugs, all the rest of it. And that's when I decided I was going to do my first bodybuilding show, do my, my first physique show. And I basically cut everyone out for like six months. Everything was so quiet. There was no distractions. I was really able to kind of understand myself and why I was doing things and it's funny because I was leaning into the fear at that time because one of my biggest fears was if I do this and I don't win and I don't become recognized for doing something well because I've never really done anything well then this could be the worst thing that happened and I still fucking done anyway you know and the repercussion of that don't get me wrong like obviously I kind of fell into a bit of a binge eating saga after that but then I still had the courage in a weird way. Like looking back, I would never have done this, but then I went and competed again, even with that binge eating disorder, because I was still feeling the fear and trying to do it anyway. So I was like increasing my tolerance levels to fear. And then when I didn't get the outcome I wanted, I then decided, you know what? 
the thing I'm most scared about now is actually doing the deeper work and kind of finding out more about myself. And last week when I delivered that talk, people at the end ask a question, always get asked, like, what books or what courses have you done to know what it is that you know and doing what you do? And I was like, I've read about 10 books in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And every course I've been on has been like nutrition-based, training-based, customer service-based, like i.e. how you can how you can influence people by the standards that you hold and the standards that you say, culture-based stuff. But I've never really done anything from a psychological standpoint apart from sit in a dark fucking room and listen to what I say to myself. And it's funny because I think a lot of people look at us and they probably think we don't have a lot of fear. And this morning I went out my first training run for this Dubai to Abu Dhabi ultra marathon. And three miles in, it's like fucking 33 degrees. Sun's beating down on me. I've not got a hydration vest. I know I need to fucking invest in one. So Maureen, if you're listening to this, I am sorry. Um, Bit of a caveman when it comes to things like this. So I was three miles in. The first mile felt great. Second mile felt okay. Third mile, I don't even know what it was. If it was the heat, if it was a combination of the lack of sleep, just with the move and some additional stress that's been on me lately. But... I was like, I don't think I can do this run. So three miles in, I was like 24 minutes, I think. And I had to run for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> so yeah. I still had like 55 minutes to go. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. I honestly don't think I can. And it, it scared me because I was like, if I can't do this, I can't do the ultra, you know? And all I thought about at that time was like, right, bring yourself back, compartmentalize it what's the one thing that you can do right now to overcome how you're feeling? And I was like, get to that next lamppost down the street. And then after that, you know that the entry point into the estate that you're on from the motorway is probably double the distance from where you are right now with that lamppost. So then get to there. And then once you get to there, you can stop. You can take a breather because it doesn't matter how you get this run done. Just do it. Got there and I was like, fuck, I can go a wee bit further. I can compartmentalize this down and become present. When I was telling myself that I had to do another hour, I couldn't fucking fathom doing another hour. Couldn't fucking fathom it. The fear of trying to complete that hour and not getting it done was just so amplified in my mind because at that point in time, how I felt, that's all I could experience. That's all I could feel. That's all I could think about. And to even think about continuing that run and just focusing on counting down the minutes till that hour was done, I don't think I would have completed it. I genuinely don't think I would have completed it if that's the way that I thought about it. So instead, I just kept giving myself those tangible goals, those tangible metrics. And one of them was when you get to the 10K plus marker, stop at a shop, go in and get water because you need to get hydrated. And you can use that as a little bit of rest time. And then you can recoup and then you can get back out because you're a fanny for not taking water with you in the first place. Learn from this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there's one of the lessons straight away anyway. So that's what I've done. And I was like, listen, you're in totally different elements, totally different conditions than you're used to, what your body's used to. Just pull it right back and just finish it. Like remove the expectation, remove the need to be running fucking seven minute miles and just get this fucking shit done. And as long as you get it done, you know that you're one step closer and you don't have to worry about running the ultra marathon right now. You just have to worry about going out and getting that next run done. Yeah. 100%. That's why for me the milestones are so important. Like you have to set the goal and then fucking yep. forget all about the goal. 100%. You, 
you have to pretend that it doesn't fucking exist and only focus on the next place that you need to be because you're not going not to be scared of the goal ever, <laughs> right? You're Pardon. always going to be fucking scared of it. Um, but when the next milestone is closer and it's easier to touch, the fear is the thing that, that drives you. And I think, like, I spoke about this um, at our live event in January and I spoke about it again um, at the weekend in the talk that I did when I speak about that film, Sliding Doors. Yep. And it's like, it's never about the, it's not about the decision, but in which you take an opportunity. So it's not about making calculated decisions about how you're going to make, how people spend far too much time ruminating and fucking decisions. And right, they do. Am, I the right, am I making the right decision? You're not going to know until you make it and you get the evidence. You're never going to know if it's the right thing. But because people spend so much time ruminating on what's the right thing, what's the wrong thing, you're switching off your instinct. So it's not until you take opportunities, you trust your instinct, you see the impact of it, which might not be a good one straight away. Sometimes you might trust your instinct and your instinct, your instinct was wrong, right? But then you learn from that experience, something else will always happen at the other side. A lot of the time, fucking two doors will close and one will open, right? So like, until you build the trust with your instinct by listening to it and responding to it and going with it, only then will it become deeper, stronger, more intuitive, right? So in those moments, you knew that instinct is telling you, you have to keep going until this point for a reason bigger than what matters in the circumstances in the here and now, right? Had fear taken over, you would have went, I'm not hydrated, I'm going to pass out, I need to fucking stop, right? That would have been the fear response. The, intu the intuitive response was, I know that there's enough here for me to get there realistically, so that that's what I'm going to do instead. And a lot of the time, like, I'll tell myself as well, like, if I can't tolerate this pain, I'm lowering the standard for what I'll be able to tolerate in the future. Yeah. So it's almost like if I can't show myself that I can tolerate this for this short period of time, what's the thing that's going to feel not less possible in the future? Like, it's almost like, it's almost like you're paying into the fucking pension of fear and resilience. Like, if I don't pay into this pension now, what is there going to be enough available for me at the other side when I need it? Resilience is the same. If you're not paying the debt of resilience, it, the stores aren't there for you to be able to use them. And I think, like, this is probably why a lot of people ask you that question of, like, what is it that you've studied that has created this? And actually, it's nothing except experience, instinct, and resilience because you've topped up your resilience tank so much that when you go through, like... <laughs> the last few weeks that you've had, which is like something for a fucking soap opera, right? Like, honestly, you could be an EastEnder storyline at this point. Like, <laughs> Just don't get me in a fucking leopard print. I'm not going for long cash. Anyway, it's my skin tone. Still a slag. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, when the resilience store is topped up, it's there when you need it, but you can't only fucking top it up when it's empty. Like I say this to people all the time, you can't be too busy driving to stop and get petrol. You can't only top it up when it's fucking empty and you've got nothing left. You need to be topping it up consistently so it's there when you need it. And that all comes down to how you respond to fear, how you trust instinct, and how you really understand like the impact on your sense of self when you make minor decisions, like mm. when you do make the minor decision to just fucking cave, I'll just fucking, I'll cave in now and I'll just, I'll respond to what I'm feeling now 
and forget about the impact that this will have. That's what I think prevents people from creating a state and a way of being because every single time you get so close to it, you're presented with an opportunity where you make the decision to just fuck it off. Yeah. And it's like it's in those moments that it's not about the impact of doing that thing, but the impact on the state and the being you are trying to create in the longer term that's going to be that's going to be more impacted by this yeah. than you are by the 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 tangible outcome of making that decision in that moment. Absolutely. It's almost like you have to learn how to play when you're hurt. You know, like when you're hurt at home, when you're hurt in friendships, when you're hurt in relationships, when you're hurt at work, when you're hurt financially. Like when you're hurt fucking in anything that you do, you have to learn how to play hurt. Like I delivered not the office ages ago to the guys and I was talking to one of our clients about it last week and I was like, literally anything that happens, you should be training yourself through this. Like someone dies, you train. Like your relationship ends, you train. You are close relative gets diagnosed with fucking terminal cancer. You train, right? Because you're not showing yourself the resilience and the discipline needed to be strong enough to get through that, in my opinion. And I don't just mean go train at the gym. I mean, you have to train yourself on whatever it is that you feel you have a skill gap with that's going to stop you from holding your shit together when this happens. And it's not me saying that you have to not show emotion and you shouldn't grieve. It's not that. It's that I've seen some people where this has happened to them and it dominates their life. And 10 years later, they're still talking about it and they've let themselves completely go. They're not living the life that they want. They're scared to because they feel guilty if they do because it's easier to project that fear into the future to allow them to distract them from what it is that they have to do now. And I really do think that's where a lot of it comes from for people. Like I'll just project into the future and basically cause myself to shut myself right now so that I don't actually have to do the work. And doing the work is such a it's such a gift, you know? Like it's actually such a gift doing the work in yourself. I think so many people struggle to see it this way. We are fucking so negative, to be honest, in this day and age. And we are very poor communicators with other people and with ourselves. It's even like yesterday for fucking Father's Day, honestly, wish people would just go and tell people how they, they felt about the people around them. Yeah. See, see <laughs> posting all over Facebook and social media, like some of the things that they were saying about their parents, I'm like, bet they seen that on Facebook. You never even said it to them. They're like, oh, thanks for the tribute on Facebook. And they're like, yeah, thanks. Love you, dad. Go and say it to their fucking face. You know, yeah, if, my dad, Instagram, I'm not going to fucking post about him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Even if my dad did, I don't want to be fucking posting either. Um, <laughs> but we need to we need to recognize that there's a lot there's a lot here when it comes to fear and discomfort. I would probably say that you need to take into account with your ability to communicate to yourself and to other people around you, because I think so much in this day and age gets amplified through fear because people struggle to communicate their needs, their wants, their boundaries to other people, so much so that most of the fear is actually primarily coming from other people's opinions and judgment of them. And they feel as if they have to do the same as everyone else, because that's what everyone else does, i.e. the Father's Day posts, instead of just leaning into their own person, being their own person, and even if they don't know who that is, figuring it out. Like, yeah. I've never had this overwhelming emotion to feel as if I want to fucking post a tribute to my dad on Father's Day. I wouldn't even know what that feels like. Like, I remember Joanne gave me shit because I never fucking posted about her birthday a couple of years ago. And the only reason why I post about it is so that I don't get the shit. 
<laughs> it's not because I'm on the bandwagon of what everyone else does. It's just definitely not worth the hassle of not doing it. <laughs> Probably won't listen to this podcast anyway. And if you do, I'm definitely not doing it for that reason, Joanne. Watch that with the first episode she listens to. I know. Um, but I think it, it really does come down to like people's perceptions of what other people do or say, react. And I think yes. that's I think that's why we're so crippled. Like yeah. in this day and age, like I really, I really do. Because even see if I think about what I was talking about earlier with the runs, shit that was going through my mind was like, what will other people think if I'm not running my same seven minute miles? What will yeah. people think if I don't achieve this? Like that's what fear puts into your mind. Yeah. I don't really give a fuck about anyone else. <laughs> fear makes you think that you do. Fear makes you think it, you know? So that's what you have to recognize. Like when you're feeling the fear, the fear is the fear will make you think these things because it's trying to figure out a way to get you out of this situation. And I shared this at uh, the open office a couple of weeks ago as well when I was at High Rocks and I felt absolutely gassed at one point and my mind started saying, how can we get out of this? What can we find to get you disqualified from this race? Even at one point, I thought when flying through my head saying, just pretend to pass out and then you don't have to do anymore. <laughs> but then at the same time, Another thought came into my mind and was like, how embarrassing will that be that you pass out with high rocks and what will people think? And then I was just like, shut the fuck up inside <laughs> my head. Will you just fucking shut up and let me just think for myself? What is the next thing I can do? Let's just do one more lap of this fucking thing. And that's always what I default to is just one more. The power of one more is so incredible. The power of one more can get you so far because you're never thinking about anything else bar the next one thing that you have to do. And that's everything that people should be focusing on. A hundred percent. I was actually going to mention um you at High Rocks if if you didn't bring it up because I think the thing that I loved about that was like the recognition of like people will ask you like why why is it you can think that way and it's like it's not that I think it's not that you think differently in the moment of fear it's that you choose to act differently as a response to the fear and like I said this to someone recently where like they said to me I'm so scared of this thing. I need to work my way up to feeling like I can do it. And I'm like, that is a crock of shit. Mm. Like, you, if you feel like you can do it, you shouldn't be fucking doing it. If you feel like you can do the thing, then that shows that you're operating at a level based on your already existing capacity, right? So, like, if you went through the full of high rocks thinking this is a fucking piece of piss, that would be a sign that actually you hadn't set the challenge high enough for yourself. And I think I love that recognition that in that moment, you were able to shift your perspective even between those different thoughts even though you don't really care what people think there's fear bringing that thing in even though you would never do something like that there's fear throwing that in as a wee like opportunity so you chose just not to fucking listen to it and this is this is the big thing for me is that if you believe everything that you think you're never going to know what it is you fucking believe because you have to ask yourself which emotion is speaking to me right now right that was fear speaking to you. That was not your rational mind that was speaking to you, right? Like if your limbic brain has kicked in, your capacity to think is already reduced by roughly 60%. So do you actually want your 40% fucking shitty bottom of the barrel thoughts making decisions for you? The, like, the toenails. Right, exactly. Why do you want the crusty toenails of decisions, right? <laughs> You're the ones that are, that are the driving force. So like you... I feel like you only really get to know yourself in your most difficult moments. Like you only learn who you are in those times. And if you don't know who you are, 
because you're scared of finding out and you're avoiding the discomfort that comes with going to that place. You're you're never you're never going to fucking find out. Yep. You're actually never going to find out because you you're making the decision from the fear of the fear. And actually, isn't it scarier to stay here, being scared, staying trapped, like staying where you are because of the consequences of the fear that you've created in your mind? Like, I just think being like psychologically scared of fear, I just got to a point like in my life where I was like, I just can't be fucked being fear of fear. (laughs) Like, I just can't, there has to come a point where like, you have to manipulate your perspective of it. And I said this at that, the live event as well. And when I did that talk again on Saturday, it was like, you need to have the rug pulled so quickly from under your feet. Fucking right. That you just fall on your fucking arse. Like you need to, sometimes you need to hit fucking rock bottom. Like I have hit rock bottom so many times in my life. And obviously the rock bottom gets higher up the more life goes on. But like, Every now and again, I will get to a point where I'm like, I can no longer continue to live this way. But then the perspective that I choose, right? Because remember, your perspectives, your points of view are always a choice. You can always choose to see the other one. Even if you don't believe it, you can still choose to think from it, right? So the perspective I will choose to think from is, I can't imagine living another day this way. So what does the next day need to look like to for me to know that I'm not going to live up my life on this trajectory? So if I can't bear the thought of this being my life for the rest of my life, what does the trajectory of the next period of time have to look like for me to know that I've taken a different path? Yeah. Like if I did believe that I was living my life every day right now and I could, if I believe that I could live my life the way that this day has gone forever and be happy, like what is what is the perfect blueprint of that day? What's there? What am I doing? What am I thinking? Like that's the level of depth that fear can take you to. Yeah. That like I feel like you really learn who you are in those truest moments. You really, really learn what you value. You really learn what you that's where you find vision, I think, too. Like in the depths of that fear, because what's important to you is presented to you in that moment. Like at the, the moment you think you're going to fucking lose it all, lose your shit, fall apart. The people, the things, the experiences, like it's a fucking reality check. And I think you can get so caught up when you're working on yourself and you're trying to grow. You can get so caught up in ego, like majorly caught up in ego of like what, what do I think is important? Like even just like, I noticed this in myself where like entering into the health and fitness industry where like material wealth is spoken about on a level that I have never experienced before and displays of material wealth which if if that's your thing like knock yourself out it's never been my thing but I find myself almost sort of looking over the fence and being like is that success like Mm -hmm. do I need to do those things too to be able to demonstrate success to myself right and it was actually, and your your ego does creep in, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I would like to have that thing, right? And it, cre- it can creep in so slowly that you have to bring yourself back sometimes to the breaking point to be like, what the fuck is actually important to me? Like, so that I can understand what has to be preserved in the most challenging moments. And I think it's 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 easy to see how people can get really, really quickly carried away with where they think they should be placing importance because that's a nice comfortable we dream to live 
as opposed to coming back to the darkness and the depths and saying like what has to actually be the life that I want to create for myself but I feel like that can only come off of the back of being fucking terrified about what's going to happen and not knowing what's going to happen to yeah and why do you think we actually say a lot of kind of dominance around pushing our clients to do big fucking physical challenges because we know that if they can enter into that voluntarily then they can also choose to overcome that themselves voluntarily and it's funny that's why i've always kind of preferred individual sports i think Obviously, I used to play football when I was younger, but the majority of what I'd done was like judo, badminton, running, fitness competitions, more kind of team-based in the fitness space, but even going to the gym, like that sort of stuff is individual. And I think I love it so much because whether I win or whether I lose, like it's my fault, you know? And, And I think in a sadistic way, I enjoy that because I know it exploits my fear. So like if I win... It means I've overcame my fear. If I lose, it's exploited my fear. But it allows me to act differently again and like put something different in place to try and overcome and dominate that fear again. And what you were saying there, I think, is so important that people recognize that ego, and we spoke about this before, is such a big part of your journey when you don't even recognize it. And most of the time, people who think they're doing well aren't actually doing quite as well as they would like to because everything's sunshine and rainbows, right? They're consciously competent, as we were speaking about on the four stages to high performance. And they don't really want to push themselves anymore. They don't really want to go to the next level because they're scared that people will figure out that they're not who they now say they are, you know? Like, you could run a half marathon, marathon, you could do a fitness event. When you're one of these people and you can be like, oh, well, I've competed, I've showed up. But you're now at a point where you no longer should be celebrating just showing up. If you didn't leave everything out in that fucking floor, then you have not done well enough, right? Because the thing is, I could walk that ultra marathon. I could walk it. And I've got a I've got a plan in my head where I'm like, right, I'll take it easy for so long, easy enough so that I know that I'm not going to hit like a barrier 20, 30, 40 miles in. But my, my training will also tell me that as well. My training will also give me the feedback to that. But if you've also not been training properly and sticking to the plan either, you won't also figure that out. So I'll figure that out through my training. And if I feel like there's any barriers at any point, I know to scale back. And I know that if for the last 10, 15 miles I've got more in the tank, then I will crawl over that finish line because I'm not going to leave anything in the fucking tank. (laughs) You know? And that's the way that you have to think about it. And you can't let your ego stop you from exploring that place that you just spoke about. Because if you are not willing to take yourself to that place, you're probably not going to end up at that place anywhere else in your life because you're also not taking other risks to grow. So essentially you can't actually have the greatest impact on your life that you would want to because you're not actually seeking that thing out and having your back up against the wall, having the rug pulled out from under your feet, the carpet, whatever you want to call it, whatever you are in the fucking country. Um, So I think people need to recognize that a little bit more about themselves. Like, I love that fucking pain. Like, I actually do love it. Like, I love... Hyrox was the first time in a long time I've actually felt it. Probably the time before that was the Hyrox before, but not to the same intensity, not to the same level. And I think the environment you have to take into account as well. Like at the World Championships, I was around fucking some of the best names in the fitness space. You know what I mean? So that in itself, again, can be quite detrimental to your ego, you know? And your ego can then obviously side with fear and be like, right, how can we fucking pull this pussy out of this race and get them to do something else? But you need to be okay with being in an environment where people are a lot fucking better at you. 
than things yeah. or at things than you are, you know, and that's where you get your feet exploited because those people will push you to a level that you don't quite recognize. And oh. I think this goes back to that relationship with discomfort we were talking about. Was that last week? Um, I think we spoke about it a few times, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the relationship you have with discomfort, like if people do come from that place of pain and they don't want to feel that again, it's like, well, you're not going to continue to grow. You're genuinely not. Like your perception of it has to change because if you'd done this, if you went on this journey just to not feel like that ever again, you're missing out on how much of a gift that was because look where it now brought you. <laughs> and if you can find that again, where can you then go? And I honestly believe, I shared my stories last week where, uh, and we spoke about this, that we fucking hate the law of attraction. Law of attraction is fucking... Oh, gosh, all it's, all, it's all neuroscience. This is the bit that fucking makes yeah. me laugh at it. Like, no offence to anybody. See if it gets you what you want, and it's like a, way thinking, right? <laughs> a way of thinking that works for you. Like, wire in, but it's, fuck, it's neuroscience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were talking about it in the sense that, essentially... The opportunities you create for yourself, because I was basically saying to Jane, like she's had a few opportunities present themselves to her over the last few weeks. And I said, that's because you were in the trenches doing the work. And even though you don't recognize it, your skills were developing, you are tolerance to pain and your relationship with discomfort were just continuously getting better. So the way that you used to show up at 100%, you can now show up in that way when you're at 50% because you've got so good at what you do. And even though you feel like you're working constantly, but maybe not working towards something and getting to where you want to be, that work can't be discounted just because you're not achieving the outcomes or having new levels of success or opportunities um, given to you or like um, presented to you. What you have to do is you need to be okay with the fact that that's improving your craftsmanship. And over time, people will notice it. You'll notice it. And opportunities will present themselves. So I always say, I'm like, right, okay, you want to make more money, you want to have a bigger house, you want to have the things that you love. Okay, you might not know how to get that right now and what all that looks like, but see if you can trust us or go on your journey with someone else and trust them to push you to this limit and take you to that point, you will soon figure out how you do it because it's not about actually figuring it out as much as it is just about developing yourself to be seen not only by you, but by others with the way that you go about your business. And that's where the law of attraction can, comes in because it's like, oh, well, I've always wanted this and now all of a sudden it's came to me. It's like, no, you're in the fucking trenches. You were in the trenches doing the fucking work and you created this for yourself because you then started to put yourself in places to discover where this was possible due to what you've built. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think like when we were talking about discomfort, a lot of the time people will say to us, like, I don't want to be in pain. Like, I don't yeah. want to be uncomfortable. And I think there comes a point where you have to accept that life is full of pain and discomfort and a lot of that will happen to you, right? So you can't control the pain and the discomfort that life will serve to you as a part of being human. You will all, There will always be life situations and circumstances that are put upon you that are painful and difficult, right? If you choose pain and discomfort and you develop the skill of it, that means that when life's pains and discomforts happen to you, your tolerance level for it is higher, right? Yeah. If you wait for life's pain and discomforts to happen to you and you've not chosen it, then you have absolutely no tolerance level to work from, right? So your only perception of it is shit things happen to me. You remain stuck in 
the identity of I am a victim of all of the things that happened to me as opposed to how do I become the creator of a, another way of being, another way of responding to this. Like, if you don't choose the pain and discomfort to then train yourself into a response, when life situations happen, you're leaving yourself in the shit already. Like, you're already in fucking negative equity every single time something difficult happens to you. So it's not that, like, we're just automatically choosing a different way to respond. And I think, like, there's also something about removing the need for reward as a result of doing difficult things and as a result of doing hard work. And when I think about last year for me, like, I've shared before, like, 2022 was probably one of the hardest years of my whole life like it's a real standout year for being so so difficult and the thing is is that on paper there was so much goodness right there was and there, there were like there was so much opportunity I did like three really big incredible things last year um that I'm so proud of myself for but I layered and layered and layered and layered mm -hmm. pain um and it was almost as if I knew that like I have to be able to layer all of this pain on top of itself and still survive it. And I did survive it. Don't get me wrong. I get I come out with a few fucking bruises and black eyes, right? Like emotional bruises. <laughs> um, but like I did have to build a business out in my mum in law's spare room while I was working full time to be able to then buy the house. I did have to fucking work two full-time jobs essentially to be able to build my business and I trained for a half marathon on top of it and I went through intensive therapy and I was in medication that fucking made me want to eat like an absolute scavenger like I'd never eaten a day in my life right and I needed comfort and I used food for comfort but like I'm not it's not as if this year has started and in January I went oh my god new year new me like I was I spent a year in the fucking trenches I spent a year in a difficult place with no reward right so it was almost as if although I achieved like big things it's almost as if like they weren't rewards it was like this I have to be here like I have to do this thing it, it's such a hard way to describe it but like it's almost as if I wasn't dependent on a big shiny reward at the end of it it was more like I have to be able to break down to be to be able to build myself up yeah. This year, and that's exactly what I did. It was almost like I had to sacrifice myself to to be able to just do all of those things, and in the process, had to break myself down so that this year was about building me back up, so that everything's at a level, a higher level that I can then maintain and grow from. But all of that was intentional, and I and I don't think people really get that. That when I say that, like the year that. I bought a house, started my business and ran a half marathon was one of the toughest years of my life. People don't get that. And I'm like, because I wasn't defining myself by the reward. Yeah. I wasn't defining myself by the success. It was hard because I had to be in the fucking depths to make any of that possible. And this year has been a great year because it's been focused on rebuilding me to, to a different level. So like all of the things that I have done, all of the decisions that I've made have been completely intentional and I chose to have multiple layers of difficulty and discomfort last year because they were necessary for me to be able to go to the next level and I was willing to make that sacrifice in myself yeah. to be able to, to do something with it at the other side so that wasn't all reactive that was totally fucking intentional and this year is the exact same it's completely intentional but I can tell you the intentions behind why I was doing all of that Yeah, I think a lot of the time people let it happen to them and, and they don't understand 
why they were doing it in the first place. No, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I think there's something here when you're saying that, that other people could probably draw a lot of inspiration from, that you're not always, even amongst like the, the success, you can also be taking several steps back at the same time to layer yourself in different ways. I think, and we speak about this a lot, where people define themselves by being a sum of the parts and not just a whole person, you know, and you need to understand that you I've said this before. Like, I don't actually think I've said it in this podcast before. I used to say it in the open office all the time, if you remember right, that fucking like humans are like onions. And no yeah. one, no one wants the fucking shitty part of the onion that you tear off and gets everywhere and see when it's pure crinkly and that, and it just fucking goes away the flare. And you can't you find bits of it like the next day, like I thought I fucking got away that bastard. Like yeah. no one wants no one wants that. Like, so see if you're just coming to me, like I crushed this fucking physical challenge, I crushed that physical challenge, but you can't actually answer any fucking deep questions about yourself to me, then you're a fucking shitty onion. You're the shitty skin of an onion. You know, like you really need to go to the depths and there's going to be times where, yes, you might be crushing it physically and achieving great goals, but you might be fucking broken elsewhere, like completely fucking broken down and rebuilding a part of you. And that's what people don't understand and see on like social media and stuff. They'll just see someone in great shape, crushing it, doing great physical challenges and being like, oh, must be an absolute boss. And it's like, you don't understand where else they could be working on themselves either. 100%, because if you were to only go by my fucking Instagram last year, fucking great year, right? We've only posted it three times anyway, period. Right, we've only posted the fucking highlight reel like everybody (laughs) else, and I don't know if it was like, we speak to people so much, like between the two is we, like, we speak to so many, like hundreds and hundreds of different people between like, our own clients, you and authority network, me and the high performance coach, it gives you a real insight. And then obviously like my private clients as well, it gives you a real insight into like human nature and the human mind. And I feel that that's given me a whole different perspective and understanding that absolutely no one has got this shit figured out. Like absolutely nobody has got a full fucking crystal clear idea of what they're doing. And if you weren't feeling fear, you wouldn't be a fucking human being. It's that they use fear to their advantage. That's the difference for me, is using fear as a, as a fucking currency yeah. and spending it where you need to spend it. Like, the next time you feel scared of something, that is such a... You're privileged to feel that. Like, make it fucking worthwhile. Invest that fear in doing something worth your while because if you just avoid it and ignore it, like, you're, it's never, ever going to work to your advantage. Fear is the only currency I spend. <laughs> I'm like, right, what am I fucking feeding it? But it does, it totally grounds you as well when you do that. Like, you don't feel as if you have to have the fucking nicest of cars or the big shiny house or the pure shiny watch. Like, even moving into this apartment the other day, me and Joanne were driving through the fucking basement uh, car park and there's like Ferraris, Porsche Jeeps, Lamborghini Jeeps. And she's like, we really need a new car. We've got like a fucking dustbin, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was like, even for a second, I was like, oh, go um, go check how much those cars cost. No, that could fucking afford it anyway. <laughs> 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 Your brain starts getting drawn. And I was like, no, fuck that shit. I was like, bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah. You don't need that. It's not you. And even when she told me the price anyway, I was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> even if I had the money. Even, even if I had it, I wouldn't even spend it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we'll round off there because that's been um, 
Enough time for you bastards still listening out there. Come a fucking shit fear after that. Aye, hopefully you don't shake yourselves, go out and do something that scares you. That's your number one priority for this week. Um, but Jen, thank you as always. I hope you have an incredible day, guys. And as always, like, share, drop us a message. We're here for anything that you need. Yeah, absolutely. Give us some content. I'd be much appreciated. <laughs> Give us content ideas, please. We're, we're not running out, I promise. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.